Hello, and welcome back to the Living Scent Equipping Podcast for episode seven. I don't know if we're going to call it that, but it is the seventh episode technically. Um, In the first six episodes of this series, we walked through what it could look like for anyone to live scent wherever they are. And we believe that that is a great resource to continue to go back to, to, to be equipped and to remember what it looks like to live scent to the people around us, to bring to the gospel to wherever and whenever we are. But now as we continue on in this podcast, we want to get into topics that are going to be relevant for the here and now in our church. And as we enter into mission weeks in August of 2023, something that we are wanting to see happen in our church is for us to be going and engaging with the lost in our city and on our campus. And as I think about that phrase, there's there's a little bit of like Bibliness and and churchy words to that. And so um, because of that, I thought it would be great to have a conversation about what that looks like on this podcast, what it means to be lost, what it means to engage with the lost. And so we're going to do that. And we have some great guests here today. Uh, We're also missing Sarah Marie. She couldn't make it our normal co-host and we're sad to not have her. But uh, I believe that Tyler and Carol here who are with us uh, will substitute not replace but substitute in a great way so uh tyler and carol why don't you say hi uh and then we'll get into some some stuff hi chandler thanks so much for having us here yeah this is tyler good to uh be here yeah yeah and we're getting into the awkward podcast it's great uh so before we before we get into this uh i want to hear a little bit from each of you about your stories and your backgrounds as you think about the idea of of spiritual lostness, where you've seen that in your own life, um, uh, a life before knowing and following Jesus, what that's looked like for you, um, and like how you've seen your life transformed or, or pulled out of lostness. Um, so I don't know who's eager and ready to go first, but I feel eager. I feel ready. Sweet, awesome. <laughs> um, so yeah, this has been on my heart a lot, um, particularly over the last year, really. Uh, just thinking about my testimony and thinking about um, what uh, what certain periods of my life looked like from the outside. And I, what I'm realizing as I've kind of been praying into this over the past week, really, um, is that the times in my life when I was most lost were actually times when my life looked the best on paper. Um, so I guess... I should kind of start from the beginning a little bit, but um, I was raised kind of lukewarm Methodist. Uh, We went to church just to kind of show face until I was like 12 or 13. Um, I never had difficulty believing in God. I think that I've always been someone who is uh, pretty tuned in to like the supernatural workings of God. but I didn't see that reflected in the church I was going to in what was um, kind of being modeled by that congregation and by the uh, the preachers. And so I, I have this like uh, kind of keystone memory of sitting uh, and like barely paying attention to the sermon and just having the book of Revelation open and just like pouring through Revelation because I was finding like I was finding my meat in that, in all of that wild imagery. And um, I think I was really encountering the holiness of God, like at, a, at an age when I wouldn't have been able to say that's what it was. 
Um, so at, none of that really like formed me or strengthened me in the faith in any way though. It was all kind of just this random part of my life. Um, I started to, uh, to sing at some point that became like a gift that, uh, that was growing. Um, and I think that where I started to kind of lose my way a little bit was when I started, uh, doing a lot of theater and being around a lot of musicians. Um, I'm not sure where in the new Testament it says that we are, uh, we're, we're children of the light. Um, we're not called to be children of darkness. And when I think about, uh, some of those early like experiences with theater people, um, if you know a lot of theater people, you know that they tend to err on the side of being like children of the nighttime. <laughs> um, and so I just started to uh, lose my way a little bit in all of that. And uh, despite having this really strong faith in God, who God was, um, and certainly the Bible, just like it all just kind of went out the window and got really, really hazy for me. Um, and that led into experimentation with drugs mostly cannabis, psychedelic drugs. Um, at the same time that I was like pursuing a career in singing, I had a job on cruise ships for like four years, which again, looked really great on paper. I looked like I had everything together and was having this like great experience traveling the world and getting all of these accolades and, um, and getting paid for it. Um, but I was, I was in the throes of addiction in a lot of ways and darkness and uh and i was really lost um so as i think about how to reach out to people who are lost a reminder to me is that you can't you often cannot tell just from the surface it's not always someone who is out there doing a bunch of drugs um and i think in my situation it was like relative to a lot of people around me i was i was good like my life wasn't falling apart, but, um, but I was, uh, deceived in a lot of ways. So it was, it was like a, just to make the, the good part of the story a little shorter, like over the course of like 10 years, I would say Jesus, um, started to interest me. I would say he, he interested me at first as like a historical figure, as a prophet, um, as someone who carried a lot of wisdom. Um, and then just over the years, it's like he started to, uh, you know, peel back layers of my vision to where I could, I could finally see him as God. And it was this full circle moment of like discovering the God that I knew as a child and having a face for him and a name. Hmm. And there's power in that name. Amen. Yes, that's awesome. Thanks, Tyler question that I had in that for you is as we're kind of diving in a little bit into just trying to think about what is lostness, you said on the surface, things looked good, but you felt lost. Um, or at least as you look back, even maybe in the moment, you didn't know that you were lost, but like when you look back, you're like, yeah, totally. I was in a lost place. What, what is, what is that in like, what do you look back on or what did you feel in those places where that you define as that like lostness? Yeah. So when I feel into what, what that period in my life was like, it was, um, full of activity. I could not stop moving, going, talking. And I'm, I generally tend to be a more introverted person. So 
I can like perform extroversion, be around a lot of people, certainly perform in front of people without any trouble. But I start to lose myself if I'm not like taking a lot of time to myself and um, well now, you know, listening for the, for the voice of God and getting into scripture. But at the time, even just having time to myself where I wasn't um, planning what was coming next or, or moving around a lot or um, yeah, I, I just, I, I think there was a lot of unsettled kind of manic activity which, you know, very well might have been visible to the people around me. But I think, again, because I was surrounded by artists and musicians, we all kind of carry a certain fire that um, that becomes normal after a while, even mm -hmm. if like mm -hmm. to the rest of the world, you look completely crazy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's true. I mean, that that is a kind of regular thing that society talks about of like the artists in whatever way you have a little craziness to them and and i think that still is a little bit true and can be good uh but it can be good yeah is uh, good yeah it is good. <laughs> we need we need the fire is good but can mask what you're saying can mask some of the things behind it that, that yeah might it, not it, be good. it burns yeah. you out at some yeah. point inevitably the um the burnout that you experience in that profession in those professions is like it happens every couple months <laughs> like mm -hmm. it's yeah. just this very quick cycle yeah yeah well let's put a pin in tyler and come back over to carol who we haven't heard a whole lot from yeah. i want to know carol some of your background and, and as you think of lostness in your life what that's looked like thanks for asking i um i have to confess the older i get the longer ago it feels you know and i'm thinking what were the the main points, you know, because I can tell a slice of my life, but there's a huge pie involved. Um, so I think for me, as I reflect on um, my life, there were times as a child when, I mean, I felt a very strong presence of God. Um, I didn't remember a lot of my childhood. Uh, I just forgot things. And it turned out when... Um, I was about 19, things started to surface of different um, abuse and trauma in my life. And, um, you know, on the surface, our family was, you know, charming and beautiful and successful. Um, but within a very short time, uh, my dad was an alcoholic and he started drinking again and he moved out and he moved in with my mom's friend from the choir. Um, and... I remember thinking, I don't know where to go, and I'm alone. Um, so for me, lostness has a real strong parallel to aloneness. And I grew up in the city. I was in Chicago, and there were always people there. And there was always, always someone to talk to. And I'm very extroverted, so I could always find a conversation with anybody. But the depth of the loneliness kind of just ate its way through my heart where I felt so lost and so unseen. And like, if anybody really knew me, they would not like me. So I've got to put this other self on that's more presentable, but internally, you know, you're like rotting away from the inside. Um, so for me, I had had multiple opportunities to give my life to Christ. I, I, uh, 
went to a concert when I was like 13 and did the altar call and was like, okay, you know, I'm a Christian and very promptly told my brother he was going to hell, which wasn't great. <laughs> um, and then, um, he's forgiven me for that, by the way. Um, and then when I was about 19, interesting, I, I don't know why you picked me and Tyler. I, I was a musical theater major yeah, at Michigan. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so I was on a, uh, this is very funny. I felt this call in my heart. I had just read Mere Christianity. I went home for the summer. God just, I mean, he wrecked me through the heart and was like, you know, Carol, you're kind of worse than a sinner. You're like a hypocrite, you know? And I was like, oh man, okay. Yeah. Cause I was really into some stuff that wasn't great. And, um, and so I was like, I'm going to walk with Jesus. I'm doing this. And I felt compelled to go. Okay, go. Well, back in those days, there was no internet. I didn't have a computer. My phone was on the wall. It's really hard to figure out, like, where are you going to go? And I quickly learned that everybody who had, like, summer trips had to tell people about Jesus. And they had to do, like, a gospel track and share the gospel. And I was like, yeah, I'm not really comfortable with that. I think it's kind of presumptuous. You know, I was very judgmental. So they said, well, you know, there's one. It was through InterVarsity. They said, well, we have one trip um but it's very unique uh it's really just for people with an interest in you know music and theater well who knew so i said okay i'm gonna go so i went to malta and i spent 10 weeks on the island of malta and um you know and then i'm sitting on this roof overlooking the mediterranean sea and realizing that i in my quest to crush that loneliness had become self-sufficient I had chosen what I thought was right. I said, well, these are the things in the Bible that I approve of and therefore I agree with. And really, I was just being my own God, right? And I remember sitting there staring out at that ocean and thinking, Lord, why did it take me so long to take you seriously? And I would say that at that moment on the roof, I was found and Jesus was like, I see you, I know you, you are not alone, and I want the best for you. So from that point on, um, and that was my after my sophomore year in college, I changed my major, left musical theater, um, mm -hmm. and I, I really started to pursue Christ. And uh, I oriented everything around it. I mean, I was like, this is it. It's it's all or nothing. I was in full time ministry before I got married. I worked for the church here, and um, and then I have had a number of different jobs. I consider myself a vocational mother. I work really hard at a lot of other things to try to just be a transition generation. You know, that's sort of our mission statement. So for me, it's been about belonging, about being seen, and the reminder that I'm just not alone. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks. First of all, Carol, for sharing, sharing about all of that. Um, what I heard in that was a little bit of a different take on lostness, the same, the same thing, but for you, you really pinpointed it at like the, the loneliness that you felt that came from this family situation and then trying to, trying to figure out what does it look like to fill that in some way. And there's lots of things that you tried to, to fill that thing in and where I see some crossover with your story, Tyler, is I don't know if we necessarily defined what like the whole was, but like there was something missing. And then maybe this like busyness and trying to like accomplish and achieve is the thing that was like really coming in to try and like fill that thing. And so even though there was a lot of lostness and emptiness in whatever way that looked like on the outside, it could look 
totally fine because you were actually accomplishing a lot of things but it was like so reversed in like the priority that it's like that's what leads to the burnout right because you're trying to uh fill a hole with something that actually isn't working in that way um and so i think that's a good transition to to get us into maybe a wider conversation from both of your stories of let's just talk about what when we think of lostness in our lives and and around us can can we come to a definition of it in some way as we're trying to we the mighty theologians uh, yeah, yeah. Right, right. <laughs> you, know, you know and maybe you know, maybe someone else would be better for it but we we can try um so as you hear both of each other's stories and and think of yourself what what would you think in in yeah as we're trying to engage the loss what does it mean for someone to be lost you know, I'm I'm thinking as you said that so I, you know Pascal's the one with a God-shaped void thing, right? You know yeah. that everybody has this hole in their heart and only God fills it, right? And I was telling that to one of my kids, and he was like, "Yeah, yeah, that bugs me. I don't really like that one," you know. But he said, um, he said, "I kind of think of it as, um, you know, what the Scripture says that God put eternity in men's hearts, you know, that some might find Him." And I, and I thought. I think for me, lostness is that idea that we were made to commune with Jesus. We were created for that very purpose. And that when we don't have it, there's that that draw to eternal things. I mean, it's revelation when you're sitting in yeah. the pew. It's, you know, seeing the water and going, wow, Jesus, why did it take me so long to take you seriously? Like we, eternity is just in our DNA. And we have to acknowledge that and we can cover it with so many things and then look really accomplished. And maybe we are in the world's eyes, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, but it, for me, that's what it means to be lost is when you, you know, you're yearning. It's a, it's a yearning for this concreteness, right? Like in the great divorce, I, I don't know if you read that book, um, yeah. C.S. Lewis, but like yeah. how the world becomes more real when they become, you know, they go to heaven and it's like the grass hurts, you know, it's like, yeah. it's like painful on their feet, you know? So I don't know, maybe for me, it's that, that yearning. Yeah. I think similarly, uh, w one, one thing that sticks with me is the idea that we were made for worship. That is, that is our purpose. And if we are not worshiping god we will worship whatever's in front of us we will worship ourselves we will worship money we'll worship sex we'll worship uh whatever makes us feel like we're in communion with something um we also have to acknowledge that like the enemy is out there taking advantage of that very fact about us um and presenting all sorts of alternatives to God. Um, and that manifests in all kinds of different ways. Uh, I saw in my life manifesting uh, among young people who are spiritual seek seekers, um, as I have been really my entire life, but looking in all the wrong places, uh, getting swept up. Particularly, I was swept up into all sorts of new age theology that, that, works really really well in tandem with some of those psychedelic substances that you're using like it is a recipe for death and um and you can be in that 
state of worship and not know not know that you're worshiping um and yeah it can just manifest in all sorts of really dark ways that um i think it's important to acknowledge and look at and call out and rebuke in the name of jesus like that's uh for me now being on the other side of that lostness i have such a deep appreciation for the protective power of christ um just having gone through a lot of darkness from a young age and uh really danced with the devil like in a lot of ways now to be in the light and um and to see where i came from it 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 makes my faith all that stronger and it makes me have a heart for people that i see that are just spinning their wheels out there um just in the thralls of uh, a different kind of power. Yeah. Yeah. So we're, we're appealing back to like, what even is the purpose of all of this? Like, why are we here? What did God make us for? Uh, and I think that's the right place to go with this. If, if we're really talking about, uh, yeah, lostness and, you know, lostness in a way more, more literally is just like, you're not in the right place, right? Mm -hmm. Like to be lost is you should be somewhere else in the place that we're supposed to be is, is with Christ. Uh, and in the beginning, that's where people were and mm -hmm. God made it so that people were with him and then sin enters the world and there's separation. And so our lostness then maybe even most broadly is just for us to recognize that there's separation between us and God because of sin. Um, but the goodness of the gospel, the good news is that we don't, uh, we don't have to have that anymore because of what Jesus has done for us. And so, um, yeah, I, I like that a lot to just think about the, how we were made to worship, how we were made to be in relationship with God and anything that is like outside of that is some way that we're kind of lost. Um, and there's a, there's a lot more to like when you're talking about we're made to worship Tyler, you're not just talking about we're made to sing a bunch of songs. Although for, singing is right. great. Yeah. We, yeah, I mean, we, lo we personally love singing. Yeah, I was thinking about like are the people, that are, gonna, w worship. The people yeah. that are going to love that would maybe love to sing for eternity. <laughs> yeah, of course. Uh, but, but, uh, just more of a, a wholeness of, mm -hmm. of, uh, a picture of worship. Yeah, yeah, devotion, to be devoted to something, to to be consumed by something. Yeah, yeah. And if you're not consumed by God, yeah, you're lost. Yeah. To lay yeah. down self and to lift yeah. up God, right? Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Well, and I, I know I, I also want to say, like, there are religions and spiritual practices that will involve that, like, dying to the self, Lay, you know, uh, getting out of the way of, of the head, you know, killing the ego, all these different ways that they have of saying it. But what's unique in our faith is that once you have died to self, you are in service to the kingdom. You aren't just this empty vessel who's just swimming in emptiness. You are, you know, like in First Peter, it says you're a holy priesthood. Like, I have to remind myself of that. Like, it is such a high calling 
to, uh, to put on Christ and, and to die to the self and beyond just the dying to the self and getting rid of our idols and stopping to, uh, stopping serving the flesh, we have, we have a job to do. Like we have a commission. Yeah. I love, I love where this is going. I think this can transition us well into discontinuing along in this conversation, hopefully get to a place where we can, uh, yeah, think about, okay, how do we go about thinking about engaging with the lost practically? Um, and basically what we're all saying is we've come to a conclusion of if you have not decided that you want to follow Jesus, if you have not said, I believe in what Jesus has done for me his his life and death and resurrection means that my my sin is forgiven and now I want to follow him as lord if you if you've not decided on those things then you're lost like that's the only way to not be lost mm-hmm. i think of when jesus says i am the way the truth and the life no one comes to the father except through me without knowing jesus then you're lost i think that one isn't a thing that our world wants to always hear. Uh, we want to have all the different ways to like come to whatever the thing is. And you're, and you've talked about some of these things already a little bit, Tyler. Um, but I think it can be hard for us as Christians to even like, think about that and remember that too, as we think about people outside of the church, um, because there's plenty of people who are going to look like Tyler looked, who, seem like they have their You're life very together. handsome Tyler. Yeah. <laughs> Don't yes. be deceived people. He's you, really you, you not that you bad. You can't see me but <laughs> <laughs> okay. uh, in okay. his <laughs> in his uh in his accomplishments and in his uh from the outside perspective there's lots of people who look like they have it together. Uh but by our definition we're saying no, even that person is still lost. And so what can it look like for us to engage with people around us? So many things. I mean, the thing is, you can't know if somebody's lost by just seeing them. You can't. I mean, you can't know if somebody's lost, period. I mean, that's the work of the Lord. Like, it's not our job to judge, has this person done, you know, made this commitment to Christ? Because sometimes, I mean, somebody will make a commitment to Christ and then they struggle and they fall and they're really wrestling. And, and those people, you come to them and you say, yeah, you're lost. And they're going to just beat themselves up more in that perfectionism. And I'm just a failure and I'm not even good enough to repent. And I'm, you know, so, so for me, at least I, I don't typically feel comfortable just meeting someone and going, wow, they're lost, you know? I I try to approach humans as people who are walking the same path that I am, where you get hit from left field every day and, and embrace the fact that they have a story and they have a past, a present, a future, and just try to know who they are. So I think listening has so much to do with that and just learning some basic skills. I'm, I'm going to tell a story about Rick Keith and I can do that because he's a pastor here (laughs) and, and he's my husband. So I remember when Rick first went on staff. So I'm this huge extrovert, right? And Rick is like as introverted as they come. In fact, he is so introverted that when I met him, I actually put together a little 
cup full of questions so that we would take this long car ride together because he was going with me to my dad's wedding. It's a long story. But I was so afraid he wouldn't speak. I was like, okay, uh, answer this question, you know? And they were like, what are your hopes and dreams? Because I was a theater major. And, um, and he, of course, then thought I liked him and one day led to another. However, the point is, when he went on staff, he often was like, I don't really know how to have conversations with people. So he came up with this list and I don't, I don't remember how many there were, Rick, I'm sorry. It was like three or six or nine. It was a multiple of three. And, um, and he had these questions of like, you know, what did you do today that you were excited about? Or where's your hometown? Or what's your family like? Or, but he just didn't know how to do that. So in seeing everybody and seeing lost people and unknowns or, you know, just let's get to know them. And he just had these questions and he would ask them and everybody would be like, oh, he's such a great listener. And I'm like, I don't know if he is. I just know he's asking the questions. But people felt loved and they felt seen. And so I, I often try to do the same thing. And I, you know, spent time with our kids learning, like, what are some questions you can ask? So I, I'm not sure that this has anything to do with lostness, um, but it certainly has to do with humanness and that when I approach people, I just don't want to assume. I don't want to assume based on whether they're, you know, driving a ritzy car and look really worldly or whether they're, you know, high on drugs or like there's, there's pain there. And I know from my life and maybe your life too, Tyler, that lostness brings pain. And even if you can cover over that pain with all sorts of levels of things, at the heart of it, there are people who have experienced pain. So like, I just try to see people as like eternal beings, right? Like mm -hmm. I, all this stuff isn't going to last. And then try to dig out those conversations to figure out where they are in that story. And I don't know, it's not real specific. No, I, I love that. Um, what you said about listening, uh, I think there is, there's definitely something to that of, of not going into an interaction specifically with like a new person that you don't know, uh, with, with a lot of preconceived stuff around. Uh, cause I also don't think the Lord can work through us if we're not just surrendered to, to, uh, really lis listening and witnessing to somebody that bears the image of God. Like, we have a lot to learn from people who are lost and they have a lot to learn from us, obviously. Um, at the same time, I know that for me, um, part of my journey and my testimony was, was a lot of shying away from some of the harder things that are in the Bible, some of the harder things that we're called to do and not to do. Um, specifically like, just the idea that like what we do with our body matters and that it's not just this playground that we can use however however we see fit. Um, and I wonder if at any point during my 20s, if I had heard someone say that to me, even just like that, just like, you know, maybe what you're doing isn't really like honoring your body. You know, even without necessarily like, tying it to Christ right off the bat without saying like you were bought with a price like you you can't keep living this way although that might have worked too i mean 
so there are times when I, I do feel like the spirit wants us to rebuke something in someone. Um, and maybe that happens after you've like gotten to know them very well and learn, learned and heard their stories. But a lot of times you don't have that, that opportunity. A lot of times you have, you know, 20 minutes with somebody, if that, if not, you know, five minutes and, um, without feeling like we have to evangelize every single person that we meet who may or may not be lost, sometimes I do feel like the Spirit will call us to sit to, even if it's just to ask a question, like, is that making you happy? Nobody really asked me that in my 20s, and I wonder if I, well, certainly if I had had more Christians in my life. <laughs> or just I, I one, good been, one. one good one. One good Christian <laughs> might have done it. Um, instead, you know, I had, you know, 10 years of, well, more than 10 years of suffering and, and wandering. Um, but yeah, I would say like if, if spirit moves you to, to call something out or question someone in, in something in someone, uh, you don't need to fight it. Like, just try it out. See what happens. I also think of like what came to mind when you were talking is, you know, that Jesus came to seek and save that which is lost and that we're called to be like Jesus, right? So yeah. we're seeking and saving. So I guess when I, when I, I want to clarify that even when I say, I don't want to assume someone's lost, I want to assume that I need to find out, yes. right? Yeah, like I want good. to seek it. I want to, you know, I want to be like, okay, who are you and what do you need? You know, because, oh my gosh, I heard the funniest story. A friend of mine told me the other day, she said, um, she has a group of Christian women that she gets together with. And this one woman just talks about wine all the time. And she said, you know, she's a, she's a good West side girl. You know, she's like, well, we didn't do a lot of wine drinking. And, um, and this woman said, wine is part of my healing journey. And <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh. And as, as a Christian, it's easy to be very judgmental, yeah. but God doesn't condemn wine. He condemns drunkenness. And for this woman who had grown up under a legalistic yeah. regime, right. For her, it was about saying, God says it's okay for me to drink something that tastes good as long as you're of age for those of you who are under 21. But, you know, I, I just appreciate, though, that it's very easy. It is easier to judge someone than to seek someone. It is easier to say, oh, I know all about you. I've seen people like you before in my life. You know, it is harder to really see a soul and to say, hey, How's your life? How can I love you? How can I serve you? Um, you know. I also think, I don't know why this is coming to me. I think that is easier for women than it is for men. I I think that... Uh, because of the vulnerability it, it might be just, thing? It might be a cultural thing. Uh-huh. Um, but it is harder for men, I want to say, just to open up and be vulnerable in that way, which again is why, you know, maybe I, I wouldn't have appeared as lost as I was at the time. <laughs> uh, but guys, we don't like as easily just like jump right into how, how's you, how are you doing? Like, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. it's just like, yeah, what's up? Like, oh, that's cool. What'd you do, <laughs> do you today? Know, oh, you cool, know who cool, Brian cool, cool, Regan cool. is, the comedian? No. He does this bit about being out on the golf course and his wife's like, so oh, how's, yes. how's I'm Chandler, well whatever, you know? And then he's like, I don't know. We were golfing. Well, you were together for four hours. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, well, I know he's got a new driver. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. For men, it's just harder. So I do think that's that's true. Maybe I'm not trying to give us a pass, though. No, I'm, okay. I'm just saying, okay. like, we we do come at it from different, um, you know, skills and yeah, strengths. Of course. Yeah. Of course. Of course. Yeah, and yeah, I loved what you said, Carol, about 
not judging. Um, and I, I, it made me think of there's two, there would be two ways to judge someone even it's in the, the good direction or the bad direction mm -hmm. of you could make a judgment and say, well, this person seems like they're doing all right. Maybe they don't, maybe they don't need to know about the gospel. Like they, they seem to have it together. What, what use could the gospel be to them? And obviously we know from a, a big picture standpoint, they, they do need to know, know who Jesus is, but like from the, maybe even a practical standpoint of like, they, they're not going to care. They're not, they, they have it all together. So we can make that judgment and quickly write them off when they could be someone like Tyler, who I'm is like just looking for someone to say, Hey, are you actually happy with what you're doing? And it might like change everything. And on the same, the in the same way, we could judge oppositely and be like, "You got all these problems that I see, and like, I, you seem like you're, I don't know, not, uh, like it's not worth it, or like in in the opposite direction." Um, so I think avoiding judgment uh, and being curious seems like seems like the key, and we we have to do a little bit of the digging to try and find it. And what we've kind of already established is if someone isn't following Jesus, then they're lost. So we can assume there's lostness somewhere. And so there is an ability to find it. It might be hard. It might be hard to find it with a guy who won't open up uh, in the same, any type of person. Uh, it can be hard to find. Um, but I'm also so surprised at how often people are open. I mean, and I think it's because I was always a little averse to being like, I can't ask people about Jesus. That's so <laughs> churchy, you know, but I, um, I can't tell you how many times I'll talk to somebody and, and they're having a bad day. And I try to just encourage them like, yeah, it's going to be all right. Well, I don't know. This isn't panning out, you know, but then just asking the simple question of like, Hey, do you, do you have any interest in spiritual things? Well, you know, it's interesting that you should ask that because I was really thinking, no, I don't, but, but man, I should. Do you? I'll be like, well, yeah, you know, I go to church. I'm a Christian. I, I follow Jesus, you know. Really, tell me more about that. Like, I have been so pleasantly surprised with people's openness to talk about their faith. I think, I think it's my fear that prevents me from asking sometimes. But if you just ask and you really aren't walking forward with like, okay, open wide because I'm ramming this thing down your throat, you know, but if you're just asking to understand, people sense that and they know that and they are drawn to someone who cares about their soul. And, and if they're like, no, no interest. All right. You know, I mean, you can move on to something else, you know, but I'm just surprised by how often people are receptive. Yeah, I, I'm finding there are all these little gateways in conversation that can point towards Christ. Mm -hmm. um, and for me, one thing that that helps is sometimes I adopt this kind of like folksy <laughs> way about me. My my mom and dad are both from Texas, and so it's like in my in my DNA, um, I guess. But you know, just somebody asks how your day is going, and you're just like, well, you know, it's not so great, but I got Jesus, so. I mean, it could be a Bless lot worse. Bless your heart. Yeah, but, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> um, you know, just like, or little like phrases that you can pepper your speech with that where, where people will kind of laugh at you and then be like, oh, like, really? You're, oh, you actually, that yeah, actually means like, something Like, oh, no, to you. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's a story. Like, do you want to hear it? Like, yeah, yeah. There, there are these ways where you can, uh, where you can witness casually um, and, and I do find that people are receptive to it, even in Ann Arbor. Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. And I think, I think what's important then is that we, we are prepared for what it could look like to then go on into that, uh, which could be just simply stating what the gospel is, but also probably more likely the thing I think that's going to appeal to people is for us to then be able to say, here's this thing that was lost in me and how I was found in Christ in that thing. And so for, uh, yeah, for us to be able to be ready to, to bring perspective from our own lives, um, is gonna is gonna help further that conversation into mm-hmm. something that again they could get to the point like you said carol where they're like oh that's cool for you right and then, yeah right <laughs> or, and, and yeah. as someone who who used to be on the other side of that who like knew just a few christians over the course of my life um who who never really sat me down and tried to to share the gospel but but witnessed casually like that i was that person who was like eh, yeah i'm good like i got my own thing like, it's cool. It's cool. Now I look back and I see each of those people as like guideposts, mm-hmm. like in the darkness, mm-hmm. just these, I don't know. I think a lot of times in terms of like metaphors, um, Jesus also taught in, in parables. So that, that makes sense. But, you know, being in, in this darkness and there are these lights, these floating lights all around and you don't know which way to go. And some of these lights lead to really bad places and are false lights. And some of them very few of them because the the road is narrow that leads to salvation like you remember those when you when you've found christ Mm -hmm. you remember each of those true lights Mm -hmm. along the way and uh and you see how how they they really did point you in the right way um even if it wasn't uh you know something that changed your life at that moment you look back and you're like oh thank the lord for for that person or that person. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think that's beautiful. And it reminds me too of, you know, the parable of the sower, right? We, we scatter seed. Yeah, everywhere. But but God makes it grow. So having those spiritual conversations, seeing people as lost, understanding that there are lost people everywhere around us, that we just scatter. And we trust that God's going to let that seed fall where it needs to. God's going to bring that person up. God's going to intervene in that soul's life with other believers too. And, you know, sometimes when I've had people I know are struggling and and maybe they're not right in town with me, but I just pray, Lord, you know, this lost person, bring your people to him. Your spirit's moving in every one of your, your people. Move someone into their path, you know, and it's amazing to hear the stories of how people that we know are encountered by other Christians in other towns. And, but we are unified as believers seeing that it is a lost and dying world, you know, but we come together in love and relationship and seeking. Um, because I think of it a lot, you know, understanding that God is a God of love and kindness and grace and mercy. And he desires to enrich and fulfill this fold of people coming into him. I think having eyes for the lost is an act of faith, right? We believe in something we can't see. We believe that even if somebody looks all together, that there is something deeper in them and that God knows that thing and that God wants to connect with them and that God put us right next to him. You know, I had a surgeon once who, um, yeah, 
I have a lot of medical issues. I had a surgeon <laughs> once and I went for my, my post-op visit. And it was interesting because during my procedure, as I was going to sleep, I just started praying for her. And, um, and every time I would wake up, it, it was a very painful procedure. And so afterwards, as I was recovering, um, I, it was on my face. So I couldn't, I couldn't open my eyes. I couldn't talk. I couldn't do anything. And all I could do was pray. And I would just pray for my surgeon, you know, and I was like, Lord, I just pray for Dr. Kim. I hope she hears this someday. She's still in Ann Arbor. But I just prayed for her and prayed for her and prayed for her. And I remember at my follow-up visit, she and I were talking and I said, you know, do you have kids? And she said, oh yeah. She showed me a picture. I said, I want you to know, I have been praying for you and for your children. And that's all I've been able to do. And she looked at me like I was from Mars. She was like, (laughs) okay, okay, well, great. Glad you're doing all right. And that was the entire conversation. But in my heart, like, I know that God loves her, you know, and I know that there's stuff going on. So we never know, you know, we never know what conversations will be fruitful, what ones they'll be like, I gave you, you know, too much (laughs) time on all three. (laughs) But I don't know. Well, and we can't underestimate prayer. And I think we often do Mm -hmm. um, in the church because we're, we tend to be very outwardly focused. We want to bring people in. We want to talk to them. We want to listen. We want to engage. Uh, But we have to remind ourselves again of that supernatural nature Mm -hmm. of God. Mm -hmm. And the fact that our prayers really go somewhere and really have an incredibly powerful effect. The regeneration of a human soul is like so out, you know, yeah, yeah we yeah. can't do that, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I, I feel like as soon as I had truly accepted Christ, I could, I, that I had arrived there just on the wings of mm. so many people's prayers, yeah, people yeah. I didn't even know or never met who saw me maybe on stage or walking down the street and prayed for me. Yeah. That yeah. is beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. It is amazing. Isn't it? And that's when you were lost, right? Yeah. And God was seeking you yeah. and he saw you and he was like, that one, I uh-huh. want that one. Uh-huh. You know, yeah. I mean, it's powerful. Yeah. Yeah. And there's all sorts of people just like that around us. And we, ne- we never know. And that feels like we're just where we've been this whole conversation is <laughs> no, <it's true. laughs> you never know. Yeah. Um, yeah. But don't. we do know that for all of us and i didn't get into my own story at all uh but like for all of us there's uh times and places where we've come to be like what i need is jesus and that's it Mm -hmm. and everything else that we've tried to fill with that is just some form of lostness and um yeah, we never know what what God wants to do in and through us, uh, through us as individuals or through our church and the people around us. Um, and so we want to be looking, seeking, and asking, and trying to trying to figure out what God might want to do mm-hmm. with us and through through our faith of 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 trying and seeking. And mm-hmm. uh, Carol, what you were saying too of like. Um, we might try something and we never know what's going to happen. I just thought of even Jesus had so many people walk away from him. Mm -hmm. Right. And sometimes I wonder like who of those people that walked away at some point later, like came back, like either came back to him or after they heard 
oh, that Jesus guy who was kind of talking some nonsense at me like a couple years ago, people are saying he died but came back to life and that he's God. And like, like I'm just imagining that there's got to be people in that place. Well, well so, there's Paul too. I mean, yeah, yeah. someone who certainly had heard the gospel before, we can assume. <laughs> like he was well uh, equipped with knowledge from his own faith and and learning about this new the christian way like he knew it up and down and it didn't it wasn't good soil for it the lord had to literally blind him appear supernaturally before him before he could get it and then he became paul like come on like you again you never know how the lord is going to move and what that person is then going to be able to accomplish for the kingdom well, and really, I mean, I don't know, I've been thinking about Paul a lot lately because I just can't get past God let him kill people. Yeah. I mean, he could have done that Damascus Road thing like a while back, <laughs> you know, he could have yeah. spared some lives. Yeah. But God said, no, those guys are coming home. They're believers. And this man is, is worth it. I mean, but to go through that for their families and their, I'm like, yeah, that's no small thing, the things mm-hmm. that God does. The other thing I was thinking of is when you said, um, did they come back to Jesus? And I think about the two on the, is it the the road to Emmaus? Is that the one where they're like, they're talking with him and then he disappears yeah, and then yeah. all of a sudden they're like, hey, I didn't know it was Jesus, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, I just think- They're like telling him about, like they're telling Jesus about yeah, Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then he leaves and they're like, didn't we feel it burning within us? <laughs> you know, yeah. Like, duh. You know, I can yeah. see these two guys like, you know, we're all in hurry. What are you thinking? Why didn't you tell me? I don't know. You know, but I really, I mean, it's really amazing what God does with people and um, and how he cares, you know, and how yeah. he sees and how he seeks and saves. And, you know, so I mean, and, and I think sometimes lostness being all around us can feel kind of overwhelming. It can feel like, oh my gosh, how are we going to do this? How are we going to, everybody's lost and the world's going to hell in a handbasket, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, and, and it can be frightening. And I think that a lot of people try to control them, you know, like, well, we have to make sure everybody follows all this rules, you know. But I think the spirit of Jesus is that, yes, there's lostness all around us, but he is the God of all things, right? And he has a plan and a mission and he kindly and gently is inviting us into that to share in that plan and and just having eyes to see without feeling like we have to figure it out you know it takes a lot of pressure off when you combine the seeing the lost with faith you know yeah i i also think as we're talking i'm uh, i'm coming to terms with like the importance of regenerating like with the body of Christ after you've been around a lot of lostness or in a space like I know in in my life kind of the rhythm of my life is that I spend most of my week my work week um around a lot of unbelievers and around a a lot of people I mean one of the farms I work at I call it the uh the farm of lost boys (laughs) it's like from Peter Pan like all these guys that just like never wanted to grow up and you know they're in that place and uh god bless them and i'm trying to be a good witness but it is so important to me that i come to church every week or if it's not every week that i'm reconnecting with believers Mm -hmm. to to like regenerate that battery 
um, and, and remind each other of the gospel. Because um, I think for myself, I look back on the, the really lost places I've been and um, specifically I'm thinking about all these music festivals like I used to go to where, where it's just like thousands of people most of them on drugs, you know, again, just like worshiping this like really horrible music that I like can't even start to listen to anymore. I think if I were to step back into that environment and try and reach out to all those lost people and try to help all these people, I would burn out so quickly. And if the Lord calls me to do it, I'll do it. But you should bring a friend. I should bring a friend. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. If, if you're if you're gonna deliberately like carry some light into a really dark place, you gotta equip yourself, put on the armor of God, and um, and go in faith. But but yeah, give yourself a break too. Come back to church, you know. Come back to to worship. Yeah, yeah, that's great, guys. I I think it's about time we we wrap this thing up a little bit, but. Uh, what I feel like I'm taking away from this conversation is that we need to remember that every story has lostness in it because the only way to not be lost is to be reconnected and in, in communion with God um, and to be worshiping him. And so what our jobs really are to do is to be in a way that's just loving to people and that people are going to, for the most part, appreciate to just be kind of prodding around and looking for what what some of that lostness is Mm -hmm. and trying to offer hope and then where we got here at the end a little bit too was we we never know what god's gonna do with it Mm -mm. and i would hope that anyone who's listening that may go from here and be like really excited about hearing Tyler's story and being like, man, maybe this guy I know is the same thing. Like, yeah, yeah. you know, <laughs> <laughs> I know a Tyler. I'm going to go find him. Yeah. Or, or whatever. Uh, uh, I'm encouraged. The reason I said that is I'm encouraged by your story and that you're willing to share it with us, yeah. Tyler. And um, uh, I just hope that that person isn't discouraged if they have the response that you said you might've had of, Oh, that's cool for you. Yeah. You like, really never know. You never know. Um, and then at some point down the line, maybe that person's super thankful or some point down the line, Dr. Kim, you said, mm-hmm. comes back and is like, I got to find this, that cra- woman who I thought was <laughs> crazy. crazy. Lady. Uh, and we never know like what part of the story, uh, we're in, in someone's life and God wants to use us for. Um, but thank you both so much for, for coming in and for, uh, having a great conversation, uh, if anything, it, it helped me build me up. Thank me you. Too. Yeah. Oh my gosh, oh, this was so great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, any any final words of wisdom for our our people uh, about living sent and engaging with the lost as we go into that this mission weeks this coming fall? There's a song called "Joy in the Journey" by an old guy named Michael Card, and it it has this line in it that says, um, "Forget not." the hope that's before you um, and never stop counting the cost. Remember the hopelessness when you were lost. And for me, just having that mentality of like remembering hopelessness gives me compassion. You know, it's easier to just want things out of your way, but to have compassion takes some emotional stock. Um, 
So for me, that's, you know, remembering the hopelessness of being lost is important. I guess what's coming up for me is um, just to stay really rooted in scripture um, because that is, that's your sword um, as you, as you, as you move through the world and um, it will work in you in such a way that um, it'll, for lack of a better word, it'll just improve your vision. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like it'll improve your vision and your hearing spiritually so that you are, uh, you're able to recognize lostness and you're, you are more able to discern the voice of the Lord uh, calling you to reach out or, um, or to listen or to learn. And um, yeah, just to stay rooted in, um, in what you've been called to do. Cause it's, it's a very high calling um, to be found. Hmm. I love that. That was a great ending. I no. think we should use that. <laughs> <laughs> Took a little bit to get there. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's great. It's great. Yes. Tyler, that was great. Thank you for, uh, thank you for that. And, and again, to both of you for being here for anyone who is feeling inspired or curious about continuing to grow and living a lifestyle of mission, continuing to live sent to, to want to engage the lost and you're like in a spot of, I don't know exactly what that looks like still. I want to just point back to the episodes that come before this that walk us through some really basic but but helpful and useful ideas of what it looks like to, to be living sent and to be engaging with the lost. Thank you all for joining us for this latest episode. And I'm just going to end with Tyler's words again because they're so good. It's a high calling to be found. Amen. We'll see you next time. Amen. <laughs>